I just want to jump in really quickly to ask a very important favour. We know that most of you who listen to No Bullshit Leadership haven't yet hit the subscribe or follow button on your favourite podcast player. This is how the podcast grows. And even though we've already got a pretty decent global following, we're only scratching the surface of what's possible. We started this podcast over five years ago with the lofty ambition of improving the quality of leaders globally. So if you've got any benefit at all from listening to the podcast, I'd ask you to just take a moment, literally a moment, to hit the subscribe or follow button on your favourite player. The world needs more no-bullshit leaders, and you can help us to make that happen. Back to the episode. Are you selling a little or a lot? Either way, Shopify helps you do your thing. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launcher online shop stage, to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. It helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. In fact, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And now you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Most of the business owners who listen to No Bullshit Leadership want to go large. What's so cool about Shopify is that no matter how big you want to grow, it gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash leadership, or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash leadership now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash leadership. Hey leaders, M here. We're finalizing Marty's 2024 speaking calendar and he still has a few opportunities available. Now you've experienced the impact that Marty has on the podcast, but that's only a tiny fraction of the impact that he has when he delivers an in-person keynote presentation. If you'd like to book Marty to speak at your organization's event, go to martingmore.com or send us an email at hello at martingmore.com and we can chat about how to tailor his powerful message to your leaders to achieve real results. All right, now back to the episode. Welcome to the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. In a world where knowledge has become a commodity, this podcast is designed to give you something more, access to the experience of a successful CEO who has already walked the path. So join your host, Martin Moore, who will unlock and bring to life your own leadership experiences and accelerate your journey to leadership excellence. Hey there, and welcome to episode 171 of the No Bullshit Leadership Podcast. This week's episode, The Christmas Danger Zone, another Q&A with M. Well, Christmas party season is upon us, and many of you may have already partaken in an early celebration to mark the end of the year. This is my first Christmas in the US for a while, and I'd forgotten how quickly Halloween rolls into Thanksgiving, which then rolls into Christmas. If you're a leader trying to navigate the vagaries of the office Christmas party, there are a few considerations that will help you make good decisions. Let's face it, you don't want to be staring down the aftermath of a significant incident in the days following an event. You want everyone to enjoy the celebration appropriately and, at the same time, feel as safe and respected as they do in their normal work environment. 
We're going to do this one in Q&A format because, as you probably know, my daughter and chief executive of Your CEO Mentor, M, has a different perspective on the end-of-year celebration, particularly seeing she spent a number of years as a young woman working in marketing agencies. So, M, welcome back to the mic. Hello, hello. It is so good to be back. It is our last Q&A before the end of the year, which is incredibly exciting. And we've just wrapped up the October 2021 cohort of Leadership Beyond the Theory. So it is a downhill stretch from here. We are rolling into the holidays. Now, I'm not going to lie. I am very ready for a big old break over Christmas, but this one's going to be a bit different for you, Marty. No prawns by the pool in the sun this year. Yeah, no, not really. I'll tell you what, I went out this morning in this big puffer jacket and I was still freezing, <laughs> but uh, it's it's just brisk. It's a beautiful time of the year here. The snow hasn't really hit Boston yet, so we're getting a little bit of a reprieve. Um, hopefully a white Christmas though. That's so fun. I'm definitely trying to come over next year so I can have a white Christmas with you. So let's see how that goes. All right, Marty, before we get started on all things Christmas, I want to know what is your most memorable Christmas party experience? Well, Em, I'm glad you asked. Um, I've had quite a few over the years, let me tell you. And I think probably the most memorable ones come from my pre-executive career. And that's for two reasons. First is because I was probably at a more junior level. But secondly, because it was in a different time and it seems so long ago that we had the 80s and 90s where the rules and the expectations seem to be almost completely different. (laughs) So the one that sticks in my mind is um, I was a project manager. I had about 50 people maybe on my team and we went to a restaurant for lunch and the expectation was that no one was going back to work. It was a Friday and remember, in Australia, it's summer around Christmas time and it can be pretty hot. Now, I was in Sydney, but up further north in Queensland, when it gets hot around this time of year, we used to call it mango season because people can go a little crazy. Now, I wasn't the most senior leader at this lunch. My boss was taking the lead. The event was fully funded by the company, so alcohol flowed freely, and things got really interesting later on in the day, and I was there to see it all unfold. The lunch itself was fine, but then everyone kicked onto the bars and nightclubs of Sydney. And by the end of the day... One of my team members had been kicked out of the bar for falling asleep at the table. Two business analysts, who I actually thought didn't really get on with each other, were doing a Patrick Swayze, Jennifer Grey-style dirty dancing routine. (laughs) And one guy who had to be taken to a nearby hospital to have his stomach pumped. And I can't imagine that was just the alcohol. Oh, my gosh. I know, I know. That was just the stuff we knew about, right? So we spoke about that night for months afterwards. And at the time, as I said, expectations were different back then. I thought it was all just a bit of good-natured fun. But as I became a little older and wiser, I started to see the dark side of this type of event. So more on this shortly. Um, How about you, Em? You must have some classics. What's your most memorable Christmas party moment? You know, I think a lot of Christmas parties that I've been to have looked like the one that you've just explained. But when I was thinking about this, I don't know. I don't think there are really any Christmas parties that stand out for me as being you know, super amazing or memorable, you know, lots of nice lunches and lots of wine. But the the one that's probably the most memorable for me was after our first year at Your CEO Mentor, where you and I, we went down to the Coogee Pavilion in Sydney, just the two of us. We ordered a few pizzas and some bottles of wine, and we had a mini strategy session talking about all the amazing things that we'd achieved and what we were planning on doing the following year. And I have to say that that's been my favorite Christmas party. I was so excited and we had just achieved so much and I was so proud of us. So yeah, and it's, it maybe sounds a bit lame, but... <laughs> oh, 
Oh no! How good was that? I I remember that. I remember that like it was yesterday too. And fortunately, the two of us both behaved well. Neither of us behaved badly. There were no incidents. And as I as I remember, you introduced me to the Crinklewood Rosé. Perfect for the occasion. That Hunter Valley Rosé was lovely. That's right. Yeah, that was that was definitely one of my favourites. Um, all right, cool. So we are covering Christmas parties because we get a lot of questions around this time of year around what's appropriate and what's not. So let's cover off a few rules of thumb from our perspective. Where should we start, Marty? Okay, so the first one is the basic question of uh, do you schedule something during work hours or do you do it outside of work hours? Because each has a slightly different feel to it. Mm. Now, probably my favourite are executive dinners, and I've done a few of these in the past where we invite the executive's partners as well. And these work really, really well. They're they're civilised, they're intimate. They give you a chance to get to know the executive's partners and to also thank them for supporting the person and being tolerant of the demands that the organisation and I would place on them during the year. So those are always really good events, and they're time-bounded, everyone behaves themselves, the expectations are clear, very, very manageable. Now, for a bigger group, and probably at lower levels, something during work hours works pretty well. Lunches are fine, uh, and it lets you capture some goodwill by giving people the afternoon off if you're in a position to do so. And this effectively makes it a company-sponsored event. So does that make the rules different when the company is organising and paying for the event? Yeah, look, I think it absolutely does, because when you introduce alcohol into the setting and the company is actually either paying for it or uh, condoning it, Drinking responsibly is really important, but it's even more so at a company-sponsored event. So if you serve or purchase alcohol for your people, you need to exercise your duty of care. That doesn't go away just because you're celebrating. And it's important to have some predetermined boundaries. You don't just want to get there and see what unfolds. So when you say predetermined boundaries, what like can you give us some examples? What are some of those? Yeah, look, I think, I think the, the main thing is, and it's a blanket rule, it's going to be different in everyone's context, but the rule is you've got to communicate to everyone before the event what the expectations are. So basically, you need the values, the standards, and the code of conduct that you would normally have in your workplace to carry through to the event. Um, a lot of people, they get outside of the work environment and they let their guard down, they behave differently, they take liberties they should not take and would never dream of taking if they were in the office environment. Okay, so that makes sense. And that's really important, even if it's not an event in the actual workplace. Yeah, especially if it's not in the workplace, because that's when you're most vulnerable to people doing things differently. And and they feel as though the rules may not apply or they're at least relaxed. They often say the things that they've wanted to say to other people, but either didn't pluck up the courage or thought it might not be appropriate in the workplace. But... A change of scenery and a couple of margaritas can break down these boundaries, sometimes a little too much. Can't say no to a few Christmas margies, Marty. (laughs) I know. So what's the best way to communicate expectations? I know with our Christmas party this year, I sent everyone an email uncovering the unsaid bits and pieces because I remember in Christmas parties past, I was kind of always like, okay, well, how do we get home? And do we have to come in at the same time the next day? You know, all those little bits and pieces. So what are the best ways to communicate expectations? Well, I think for a start, you've hit the nail on the head. You've sent out an email. And when Christmas parties are being organised for large groups of people, there's normally a bunch of emails that go out at different points, you know, save the date, here's the venue, here's what to wear, like all that sort of stuff goes out there. So when you send out that plethora of emails, 
there's a reminder there that you can put in each time that the organization's values and behaviors absolutely apply for the duration of the event. And then, of course, um, if you're more senior and you get to give a speech or something, not that you want to spend the afternoon talking, but reinforce it then to verbally. So I would often give a brief thank you speech at the event itself, you know, sort of like that, that wrap up of the year that was. Uh, thank everyone for all their efforts and single out anything exceptional in way of achievements that people should be proud of. And then I'd say something like, oh, and because you guys are all highly professional and capable, I know you wouldn't let anyone down today by not treating people respectfully and professionally. So I think that's sort of like a catch-all for just reminding people, okay, you're all adults, you're all professional, you're all competent, you're all good people. Don't let yourselves down by not doing the right thing just because you have a couple of drinks. Yeah, I love that. But when I'm putting myself in the party goers' shoes, you know, everyone's all hyped up, they're ready to party. Are they listening to you when you say that? <laughs> <laughs> well, who knows? Probably not, but but it needs to be said, right? And it needs to be reinforced. And so if you come back later and someone is starting to go a little bit off the rails, you can always say, hey, come on, we've spoken about this. You, you just need to be a bit more professional. You just need to be a little bit more careful of how you're saying things to this person. Um, and I think there's always a space for that for anyone who's in that room, whether it's a senior leader or not. Yep, great. Love that. So I just want to switch it to environments. What do you think is an appropriate environment or venue for the Christmas party? Uh, yeah, good question. Well, it's pretty contextual, this one. Uh, if you work in a city centre, there's no shortage of suitable venues. So you've got you know restaurants, cafes, function centres. They're all good options. But one rule of thumb is that if alcohol is involved in any way, make sure there's plenty of blotting paper. <laughs> For those of our listeners who don't know what blotting paper is, it's the food that you eat while you're drinking so that it doesn't all go to your head. You taught me that one pretty early. Yeah, well, who said I wasn't a good father? Um, <laughs> I absolutely did. So if you're working in a remote location, for example, or if your team predominantly does shift work, or let's say you're a frontline customer service job, you may have to think about things differently. Where can you go to cater for everyone? Do you hold it on the worksite itself? Um, for example, I know a lot of companies or divisions that have barbecue lunches for their staff on site. Um, but if you work on an alcohol-free site, as many people do, you have to think about the pros and cons of bringing alcohol onto the site for the occasion. Now, funny story, I once had a head of safety who chided me because one of our suppliers had sent me a Christmas hamper and it just happened to have a bottle of champagne in it. And he saw that on my desk and he said, you'll have to remove that from the building because our policy says no alcohol on the site. Now, this was just a city office, right? What went through my head was, gee, mate, good to see you going after the big issues. It's not like we've got people working in hazardous conditions right across the company or anything. But what actually came out of my mouth was, yeah, you're probably right. I'll take it down to my car right away. Now, I learned something from that interaction as well. This guy's lens that he looked through was the rules and compliance lens, not the value lens. Sort of interesting, but if you're in a senior enough position, feel free to make those choices if they make sense. Yeah, totally. And obviously he was just doing what he felt was the right thing for the company and for the employees as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Totally, totally. So that is a really good point. What do you do for fun when the company or part of the company has a no alcohol policy? Because not drinking is, I don't want to say it's, on trend now, but I know a lot of people who don't drink anymore. And yeah, you know, maybe Christmas parties aren't all about alcohol these days. What are you thinking? No, that's right. Well, look, you know, I don't drink anymore. Um, 
and I certainly don't drink any less. <laughs> so, so yeah, so we've got, we've got the alcohol policy thing, right? Now, you know, yes, you're right. There's a trend away from it. And I think people are learning to drink more sensibly. We've seen a bunch of CEOs and senior executives lose their jobs and have their careers severely disrupted by doing dodgy things in the wrong circumstances under the influence of alcohol. So, yes, it's a cautionary tale for everyone. And I think we're becoming much more aware of that. Um, but like I said, if you're senior enough to make an exception and it makes sense, well, don't be afraid to do it. Um, you can make an exception to the policy for a day and say, today we're actually going to do it this way. And then as of the time the party finishes, which we can put our own constraints around, we're, we're back to the normal policy and that's fine. I don't see any problem with that at all. So talking of controlling and monitoring, should you do that or should you just trust people to behave themselves? Yeah, like that's a really good question. Um, you trust people until they show they can't be trusted normally. And I think this is no different. But you don't want to be policing the party, right? That's no fun for anyone. You don't want people to feel as though they're being scrutinised. You've got to give them the latitude to actually make their own decisions and be adult. What I would often do is lean on a few of the opinion leaders who I knew were going to be at the party for the duration and ask them to keep an eye on things, you know, like Look after people if they started to get a little too exuberant. Perhaps get someone into a cab if they looked like they needed to go home. You want the reliable people to just be a little proactive in the space so that things don't degenerate into a situation where someone can be hurt. So you wouldn't stay for the duration yourself then? Oh, no. <laughs> no way. My days of watching the sunrise from my bar stool are well behind me, thank goodness. <laughs> um, especially as CEO. Like I go to the party at the start perhaps make a quick speech, get around and talk to people and thank them for their efforts, have a couple of social drinks and then get a cab home nice and early. So I'd, I'd be home for dinner if not before. Everyone likes the boss to turn up and to show their support and gratitude, but no one wants the boss hanging around later in the day when they want to let their hair down a little. So actually I'd say to most senior leaders, make sure you're there for the formalities, but make sure you're not there at the end of the party. Hmm, really good advice. Let's switch this one up again now. I know you're not a big one for dress-ups, but quite often there is a fancy dress theme or element for a Christmas party. What should leaders do in this situation? Do they dress up? Do they not dress up? What do you think? Uh, yeah, you know you know me, I don't do dress-ups. And, um, and in the US, they don't call it dress-up, they call it um, you know, costume parties. So whenever I think of senior people dressing up, I picture Boris Johnson, the British PM like his willingness to put props on and engage in hijinks for the media's benefit left him with an air of buffoonery, right? And it's hard to take him seriously when he gets up in Parliament to talk about the economy with the image of him stuck in a harness on a zip line above the River Thames in a suit with an ill-fitting helmet waving a Union Jack in each hand. <laughs> what a visual. I guess... Uh, you're right, but it but it doesn't have to be like that, right? Like, if you don't dress up, aren't you a party pooper? Like, is there a middle ground here that we can reach? Yeah, sure, there's a middle ground. And, you know, as you go through your career and progress through the levels, you become less and less a part of the broader group and more part of the senior leadership team. So this isn't an elitist thing. It's just recognition of the friendly, not friends principle. So as a frontline leader, you might decide with your team to dress up to a theme. And this is great bonding. It helps you identify with the group uh, that you lead. But as you go higher up and you have more professional distance from the front line, you tend to think about these things a little differently, or at least I did. So for me, although I love dressing up, which is like putting on a tux for a black tie dinner, 
I've never been into fancy dress or costume parties. You know, I, I always imagine, you know, toga parties, Beetlejuice suits with makeup, you know, they've never been my thing. <laughs> so, so I was pretty happy to go to the stage where I could just come as I am, be comfortable with that. And if that makes me a party pooper, then yep, I'm definitely a party pooper. That's a really good point. The respect before popularity thing and just being comfortable to say no and to not feel pressured into it if you feel as though that's the right thing to do for you as the leader. So last one, we had a great question from a listener who asked how to manage resentment um, from frontline staff who have to work over the holiday season when head office gets to have, say, two weeks off. Now, when I worked in retail and bars in my younger years, I didn't really think about it that much, I guess, because I was just working casually. But I can imagine that if I was, say, a retail store manager and I had to work those extended hours and not have that time with my family, I'd probably be a little bit bitter Someone has to stay to keep the business running, so I get it. But any thoughts on how you can potentially manage this? Yeah, it's a little bit tricky, isn't it? Look, I think in these circumstances, people realise that their job requires commitment to customer service opening hours. Now, as a young lad in my teens and early 20s, when I was working in bars and nightclubs, I don't think I had a Saturday night off for many years, and I certainly didn't celebrate New Year's Eve properly until my mid-20s. So... Mm. Yeah, you know, sometimes it can be a bit shitty when everyone else is out at the party, but like everything else in life, it's a choice. It comes with the territory in certain jobs, and I think you accept that going into the job. Having said that, as a leader, it's important that you recognise that a sacrifice is being made by your people. And I'd say personally thank them for giving up Christmas with their families or New Year's Eve with their friends or the staff Christmas party that everyone else is attending. All you need to do is say, hey, look, I realise that you're foregoing this and I really appreciate it. And if you can do something for them that marks a little celebration, then by all means do it. Yeah, I love that. And I thought that was just such a great question because it was an angle that I hadn't thought of before, but that must be pretty difficult uh, when it's, I guess, just run of play and it's the choice of work that you do. Totally is. All right, Marty, I think we've covered Christmas parties pretty well. Is there anything you want to add? Uh, No, look, I reckon that's pretty good, Em. And I reckon that brings us to the end of episode 171. So thanks so much for joining us, everyone. And remember, at Your CEO Mentor, our purpose is to improve the quality of leaders globally. So please share this episode now with your network of leaders before they go to their Christmas party. It's going to be worth it. (laughs) Um, Thanks for joining me again, Em. It's great to have you on, of course. And I'll look forward to next week's episode. Stop doing your people's work for them. Until then, I know you take every opportunity you can to be a no-bullshit leader. (laughs) 